Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bradley. I just want to start by saying go blue. An emergency podcast. On an emergency. Red alert. Wow. Red alert. Emergency podcast on a Saturday night. Wow. I, I No, I mean, I'm obviously being a little bit dramatic there. But, dude, you decided to give me a call. And you said, what do you think, man? You think we should drop, drop in and, and talk about some of this stuff a little bit? Obviously, the biggest news out there, Frankie Collins. Transferring away from Michigan after just one freshman season where he didn't play very much. Played about 11 minutes a game, didn't score a whole lot, but this is what you and I were just talking about before we we went live. People, are, you know, th- this happens every every all the time with it's probably every fan base, but obviously we're only we're only deep in the Michigan fan base. But if a kid, uh, if a recruit decommits or a kid transfers or whatever, whatever, whatever the ca- kid leaves early to go pro, whatever the case may be. Michigan fans immediately are like, "Ah, oh, good riddance. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out." And I'm just like, no. I think this is a little bit of a bummer. I like Frankie Collins. I know looking at his stats, he didn't exactly blow it up. But if you if you watch that kid play, you know there's something there. He he brought something to the court that was undeniable. His energy, his bounce, his speed, his defense. He's got a little bit of just – he's got what I like at point guard. And now he's leaving. And it does seem to be like there's some some more stuff going on here, more to come maybe. It's just kind of a weird situation. But I'm I'm always for like – I don't know, man. If he thinks it's in his best interest to leave, then you know more power to him. I don't like it. I like I, I like the idea of him being the starting point guard next year, but I don't know. I don't. That rubs me the wrong way when I see people say stuff like that. I know it does you too. We've talked about it quite a bit before, but this is weird because we've got a little behind the scenes information that you kind of, you know, you you uh manifested on your own. I mean, this isn't something that we would write a story about or anything, but it would have, it would have come to fruition had he not transferred. What, what, what is it that I'm talking about? What's that tease? I'm well, giving? Right there? It's funny because it, like on the last podcast we did, I think it was last Wednesday. I had even said like, we've just, we've got some really cool things that are coming up and some things that I think nobody else, you know, was going to be doing. And, and one of the things that we had coming up was, you know, an exclusive interview with Frankie Collins. He had agreed to it. I had reached out to him and and he was all on board. And this was about, I think it was a week ago. It was one week ago, April 23rd. And what's interesting about it is I was very specific in my language in, you know, wanting to schedule that interview and that I wanted him to be the first university of Michigan basketball player to appear on the show. And, and he was all about it at the time. And then since you know, sense has, you know, the communication really fell off and it didn't make any sense. And, and now maybe, you know, maybe that's a reason why, but I just think it's interesting because it seems like maybe things evolved pretty quickly from, you know, Frankie Collins feeling like he was going to be in Ann Arbor to now all of a sudden entering the transfer portal. So um, I think the timing there is really interesting. And then I think, you know, 
yeah, transfers happen all the time, but you also have, you know, Terrence Williams putting out like a very cryptic tweet and then deleting it saying like, you know, the politics of the whole thing is, is a shame. And then, you know, deleting that. And then you have guys like Hunter Dickinson and, you know, and, and Jace putting out tweets about, you know, what's going on with Shannon and Texas tech and then deleting those out. And it just kind of seems like right now there's a lot going on with the Michigan basketball program. And up until, Frankie Collins entered the transfer portal. I was kind of leaving a lot of it to like, you know, sometimes things just happen and smoke, you know, cause we we've been hearing these things now for the last few days. Um, and you kind of think, you know, maybe there's, it's more rumor than anything else. And, and this, you know, kind of gives some substance to some of the other things that we've been hearing about. Well, it, it just happened so quickly. Like you said, he fully agreed to, and was on board with coming on the show a week ago. And so that's why I think both you and I were like, Ah, eh, he's not, you know, he's not going anywhere. Like, I yeah. mean, like having a little bit of scoop was a was a negative in this case because we just had communicated with him and he was planning on coming on the show and now he's transferring. So like I'm with you. I was I didn't really know if it was gonna happen. We kind of saw some smoke, but we weren't sure. We hear about different things. We've got different people that we talk to, and obviously the well, not obviously, but one of the big clues that was out there was Frankie like mysteriously deleted everything from his Instagram account that had to do with Michigan. And that always comes you up. You see the like, same oh. thing when, when people break up, it's the first yeah. thing you're like, Oh shit, that relationship is in trouble because Picture Melissa, Melissa is yeah. nowhere to be found in those pictures. Where is Melissa? Yeah. So that can sometimes mean something. Sometimes it doesn't in this case it did. And the unfortunate thing there is that Terrence Williams did the same thing. Did he not? He didn't, so, he remove everything from his and he, he did. He chimed did. in you know, about the politics and what's going on. And yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's a weird energy right now around Michigan basketball. Terrence Shannon, you know, maybe it was an NIL thing. Maybe it was some admission stuff. It was apparently, you know, the Michigan players think it was because the head coach at Texas Tech wouldn't allow him to get the correct credits to change his status to then come to, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that kind of went along with this. And it's, it's just really strange right now, given the culture, that given the strength that Juwan, Juwan Howard seems to have at building a culture and the success that the team has had on the court, it's like th- these things, these turmoil, turmoil type of things shouldn't be happening at a place like Michigan, but they are right now. Michigan missed out on Terrence Shannon, but gets a transfer commitment from Jalen Llewellyn just yesterday. And now there's some speculation that that's one of the reasons Frankie Collins is leaving when Llewellyn's not really like a true point guard. It looks like the two, you know, from what I've seen could have coexisted pretty well as a one, two guard, you know, kind of a, I don't know, man, it's just weird. I found it weird, seemed odd and out of place when all the news started popping up that he might be leaving. Now he drops it on social media today. And we're like, what the hell, man? We thought he was coming on the show (laughs) to talk about Michigan basketball and everything that's going on. And now he's, now he's transferred and going somewhere else. And, you know, I saw this out there. I didn't realize this when he was going through the recruiting process, but Frankie Collins was at three or four different high schools as a prep player. And so you wonder now, is this kind of in this kid's DNA a little bit? Again, I, I'm not judging. He can do whatever he wants. I hope he's happier wherever he ends up. I hope he's doing the, the best thing for himself. But when you go to three or four different high schools, you start to wonder, like, you know, the going gets a little tough or he's something that, you know, rubs him the wrong way a little bit or he doesn't like this or he doesn't like that. And he just packs up and leaves. You know, that's that's not the greatest sign in the world, but still, you know, hope everything works out well for him. But as a Michigan fan and as someone who covered the team, I was excited by the opportunity of what he could look like as a starting point guard last year. I mean, we talked about it a lot. You know, when Devontae Jones wasn't having his best outings, you and I both would always be like, dude, get Frankie in there, man. He brings some juice 
to that team. He was, he was at least an energy that, you know, that, that Michigan seemed to be lacking offensively a lot. So, yeah. So I don't know. Well, and that's, that's and you can see it in the comments that, you know, and, and that's the other thing is that it doesn't seem like, you know, it, it's going to stop with Frankie, at least if you're, you know, reading the tea leaves, like, yes, there's been, you know, whispers about Terrence Williams, uh, Kobe Bufkin's name has been thrown out there. And, you know, I, I try to take as much of that as I can with a grain of salt, but then, you know, Frankie ends up announcing he's going to end up in the portal. Yeah. And it's just weird when you go back to like, you look at this class and, you know, Caleb Houston and Frankie Collins and all these guys that were coming in and kind of what you, you thought this was going to turn into for Juwan Howard and it really, you know, it's it, it, that whole deal seems kind of shaky at best. And I know they've got talent coming in, but it just goes to show, man, that, you know, what John Beeline was able to do here for so long consistently is not easy to do. And, and, and you know, it's not all about recruiting guys that have great stars like team chemistry and being able to play well together and, you know, cultivating the right environment. Like that's something that matters a lot. And and I don't know if Juwan Howard has quite mastered that yet. And maybe this yeah. is, you know, the result of some of that. Yeah, it's interesting you use that word chemistry because you wonder, I mean, the basketball team for the last couple of years seems so, so connected and close and like they really are friends off the court. And you wonder, I mean, like they had to be talking to each other about this stuff. Like did Hunter Dickinson announce that he's coming back knowing that Frankie Collins is about to transfer and Musa and Caleb are both checking out the NBA? They may come back still. I mean, that's they, they've got a while to get that figured out. But, you know, and Terrence that's true. I just want to say before you go on, that's a fair point. Beeline really didn't have to deal with NIL and, and, and what, you know, what some of the coaches today are having to deal with. But well, again, there, you know, to an extent, to an extent, there was, you know, there's always some of that going on. But the reality is it's still a skill building a team where, you know, guys work together. It's not just about you know, stars on the floor. And you see it happen in the NBA when you try to load up on, you know, premier players, it doesn't always work. Like team chemistry really does count, especially in college basketball. Yeah. Instead, Beeline just had to deal with dick bags like Will Wade and Dollar Bill Self and all the <laughs> right. guys who were doing NIL shit, like right. the seediest way possible. Come on. Beeline was still competing with it. Yeah. And Beeline was doing just fine. And now, yeah, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole other episode right there. The the seedy underbelly of uh, of college basketball, um, and I, I, I get I get I the point. Think, I get I get the yeah. point they're trying to make is yeah, it's, it it sort of has changed the game a little bit to where, you know, things are more fluid and it's easier for those things to happen. But you know, certainly I go back to it. it you know, and and Brandon, you know this. You've been in coaching and not at that level, but if you've played or you've done, you've been a coach, you understand team chemistry counts for a lot. And I think that John Beeline was really good at at cultivating that, not just in the locker room, but on the floor, you could see the results of that. And, and it just really didn't happen for this team until tournament time, they turned it on. But again, even in the off season, it's like the social media stuff. Now you've got Frankie in the portal. It's like, you just like to see a team. I think that's a little more disciplined in a lot of different areas. It's kind of weird too. You look back at like Zeb Jackson transferring now, like, dude, there's a, there's a plenty of minutes available for him on this team now with, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. It's just weird. You know, I mean, that was a while ago now, and he was apparently dealing with some things. He was away from the team before he then transferred, and now he's uh, he's announced that he's going to VCU. I don't – I mean, he can play the point. He can play the two. He can even play the three. He's about 6'5". You know, he can do a lot of different things, and you've got multiple spots kind of opening up now instead of going out and getting a Jalen Llewellyn. Why couldn't that have been Zeb Jackson? Instead of having to chase down a, a Terrence Shannon, 
you know, you keep some of these guys in house. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot goes on behind the scenes and in practice and meetings rooms that we'll never know about. But and you, but you see, you see Terrence Williams throw out words like politics, and you see Hunter Dickinson throw out things like going after another team's head coach, where this kind of stuff goes on to make things difficult for for these players to make decisions and find the best set, the best settings for themselves. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's, you know, we're going on several years in a row. Every year, Juwan Howard's been there now. He's went to the transfer portal to try to find a guy to come in and start right away when he's got dudes that he recruited and brought in that look like they're getting pushed to the side a little bit. I'm not, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that. I didn't think that rubbed some people the wrong way. I, I mean, like I said, I don't know what the exact, Is it, you know, it's weird. It, and I don't make the roster better. Like there's two sides to that coin for sure. But yeah, it's, it's a little, it's tricky, man. It's tricky to yeah. navigate all that stuff. It's really strange how, and I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here and maybe this isn't right, but at, at, you know, Jim Harbaugh and Juwan Howard's, you know, first few years in Ann Arbor, how closely they mirror each other in terms of like Juwan Howard going to the portal to get, you know, point guards and the way Jim Harbaugh used the portal to get quarterbacks and wanting to use your own guys and maybe seeing some of the fallout and, you know, the tremendous success year one, the kind of maybe a little bit of a struggle year two. What You know, it's just, you see a lot of similarities between the two. And I think a lot of people have brought up concerns about NIL in general. I put up an article about it earlier today. You know, Desmond Howard said he's concerned about, you know, the state of college football or the trajectory that things are on. I can't remember the player's name, but he plays for UCLA. I think he was, you know, a first team all American last year. Was he the Blitnikoff award winner is considering going out to UCLA or uh, USC now and and you know a lot of people think there's tampering there because there's an nil deal that's involved and so it just the landscape of college athletics in general is changing and i think it's difficult for for college coaches these days to navigate those waters and i think you're you're seeing some of the fallout of that you know with guys like frankie and you hear rumors about a guy like monty bates possibly coming in and it's almost like it feels like pro sports you're talking money nil deals players shifting around it's, you know, a lot of moving parts and pieces. I saw, I can't remember where the kid was from. It was a basketball player. Maybe Addison like, from Pitt, eight, correct. Oh, yeah. The Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wide receiver from Pitt heading out to USC. But, yeah, there was a, uh, an agent actually put a tweet out there representing a, a player at Kansas State. It was like, my player is worth more than this. You know, he was – I'm just like, what? what is happening now? And there's – I think a guy from Miami maybe is threatening to sit out. It's like now we've got college players doing holdouts right. to get better. That's that's what it was. Yeah, I think I said UCLA. It was Pitt. My apologies. Yeah, so okay. it was Addison yeah, yeah, from yeah. Pitt. You know, I think it was it. Didn't he win the Bolitnikov? Isn't that that goes to the top wide receiver? I think he was. Yeah, maybe he's considered one of the top receivers last year. But anyway, it's just. It's really interesting to see how, you know, all of this is shaping the college landscape. And I don't know how much of that played a factor in what's happening with Frankie Collins. But again, you go back to, you know, what you heard with a guy like Terrence Williams and talking about the politics of it all. And it just seems like, I don't know, man, it seems like everything is on shaky ground in terms of like what a roster is going to look like from one year to the next. Yeah. And you mentioned Imani Bates name. I mean, he's been a, you know, he's been a polarizing figure. He reclassified at high school. His dad started some bunk academy to play talk about know. okay so you talk about red flags with frankie you know what i mean are we are you yeah. looking at the same thing with a guy like imani bates you know are, are you here you know is he the aside tate martell from, of <laughs> aside from a little bit of a hype machine in high school with imani bates and the, the bates academy thing that his dad i mean like imani didn't he wasn't in charge of that that was his dad yeah 
he, he didn't he didn't go to four different high schools. I mean, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a it's where we are nowadays. I know there's been Desmond Howard certainly isn't the first player to chime in about the trajectory of college athletics. Danny Cannell has been all over Twitter today talking about different stuff. Aaron, uh, oh, what the hell's that guy's name? He's on TV too. He played at Notre Dame. Uh, bald dude played defensive tackle. He put a long message out talking about, um, you know, talking about the state of college sports and where things are going and guys holding out and wanting big money deals before they even get on campus. And I mean, dude, high school kids that are haven't even stepped foot on campus yet signing multi million dollar deals. Like, I just now that's you know, that's the rare that's that's not you know, you're not seeing that happen a lot, but I'm just saying like. It really does seem kind of wild the way things are working. And and then when you look at a, a school like Michigan, it really puts you at a disadvantage because they clearly aren't interested in playing that game, at, like least that. At, the, at, at least at the level yeah. that some of these other programs clearly are to win titles. And so, you know, that that's another thing. Like, what do you do? Like, are you are you really trying to compete? And if you are, you know, you got to be willing to play the game. And so I, I go back to what Des said during the, the broadcast earlier today. It, it's not just college football. It's college athletics in general. It, it seems unsustainable on its current path. Yeah. Yeah. A guy like, I'd love to hear what Jay Billis has to say right now. That dude's been chirping and running his mouth for years about paying players, and it's crumbling the very sport that made him who he is. I mean, college basketball has been in a weird spot for a long time. It's been dark, and people have been breaking rules seemingly, you know, without being punished for a long time. But it, things are things are happening so fast right now with guys transferring and leaving and want money. And I mean, like all these, all these ripple effects, all these issues are popping up with, I mean, it hasn't even been a but, year. But, but here's, here's the issue though. Here's the issue. And I don't want to get into like the bigger world picture of it all, but if you are the NCAA or you are the university and you do try to step in and you do try to mitigate that now you really are sort of stepping into, you know, you're, you're interfering, interfering with free market, right. With, with what, yeah. NIL is designed to do, which is allow these guys to make. So it really does kind of get fuzzy there. I think now that you've opened, you've sort of let the toothpaste out. It's going to be really hard to put it, it back in. Good. Now, if, if they had come out with some sort of rules and regulations or maybe like, you know, a, a three step sort of like rollout where over the course of several years, they rolled it out so that they knew how it was going to work but they didn't do that. And now you're at a place where these things are happening. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, I just don't think even if you try to rein it in at this point, people were already doing sketchy shit before this was legal. Now, if you try to go ahead and rein it in at this point, it, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. So Michigan basketball, obviously, well, I don't know. Would you call this, would you call it turmoil? Would you call it chaos? Or is that too strong right now? a little bit uh, i would rocky. call it what's what do you what do you call it when it's turbulent it's turbulent turbulent okay it's a little turbulent turbulent right now yeah perhaps things are some things weirdness are you know breaky out um maybe musa and caleb out if they stick in the nba hunter back couldn't get terrence shannon you get the kid from princeton maybe imani bates um yeah a little bit man a little bit rocky a little bit bumpy uh but we'll see how it how but it pans i think out. I think it's still, you still have to give Juwan Howard the benefit of the doubt because no matter what you, you know, no matter what you say about what's happening with the roster or maybe what happened with the season at the end of the day, you know, 
he's made deep tournament runs. He, he's been successful during his time here by and large. And, 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 you know, he's earned the right to give him the benefit of the doubt. So we'll see what it looks like, you know, in the coming weeks, what this, what this, cause I have a feeling it's going to change, you know, what we thought the starting lineup might look like, you know, two weeks ago versus what it, <laughs> no. you know, will look like two weeks from now is, is might be completely different. I was putting we'll down paper. Different. I'm like, Oh, Frankie, Terrence Shannon, Caleb, Musa, Hunter. You dude, can see the graphics. Is, there were all sorts of yeah. social media accounts putting them out, like Michigan starting five, and Shannon was in there, and Frankie leading the way. And it's like, you know, nope, not, no Shannon, no Frankie. So now, I mean, it, dude, is it is it Doug McDaniel time right out of the gate? All 140 pounds of him. Like, I mean, like, you know, he's never going to be that big, but I mean, he's obviously pretty undersized right now, coming out of high school. I mean, without hit the, Frankie hit the, Collins hit the, the DMs, team, hit the DM without, without Frankie Collins on the team, Michigan does not have a true point guard on its roster right now. I mean, Doug McDaniel will be there, but he's not yet. And I mean, yeah, we're waiting to see, you know, until June 1st, we won't know exactly what Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate are doing. Hunter Dickinson back. That's real big. That's a nice stabilizing factor to have on your starting five and on your roster an all American center like Hunter, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. And um, I don't know. I, I don't over the last couple of days, I think we started to feel like this Frankie thing might have been real. But again, just a week ago, he was talking about coming on the show with us. And so I'm thinking, ah, he's he's not going anywhere right now. But it's it's one of those things. We have examples over the course of the years. I know I certainly do covering recruiting where you literally get told something and the exact opposite happens like the next Dude, day. Giles, well, Jackson, right. Giles Jackson's mom told me he there was you not go. going anywhere and not 24 hours later, he announced he was transferring. Yeah. So, you know, things do change. You get bad. Sometimes you get bad information. Sometimes good information changes in a hurry. It's just the way it is, man. It's the way it is. And a lot of these kids with NIL and with social media and with their branding, they want to control all of that themselves. So it's hard. It's hard to get a beat on, you know, what we think is going on. Like I said, two days ago, three days ago, if you had asked me if Frankie Collins was leaving, I'd have said no. No, he just agreed to come on our show with us, and he was excited about it. I, why would he do that? And now, and now he's transferring. So. Yeah, and like, and like yeah. you said, with Giles Jackson, his mother was like 100% unequivocally, no, not transferring. It's all she whoa, was adamant. Whoa. Yeah, she was adamant about the fact that he wasn't transferring. And then again, literally a day later, hit, you know, he's out. So Peace. one of those things, man, it's the way things are nowadays. We're all just trying to keep up a little bit. I trust the people I talk to. I know you do, too, especially when it's the kid, you know, the, the athletes themselves. But nothing's nothing's foolproof nothing's bulletproof nothing's 100 percent. so we'll see what happens with the with caleb houston musa diabate their decision we'll see what happens with the rest of the transfer portal we'll see if anybody else jumps in there we'll see if anybody else comes to michigan you know and then that freshman class might have to play some more minutes that maybe they weren't expecting right out of the gate we will see um so there you go there's michigan basketball in a nutshell right now The NFL draft, dude, is officially over. Um, obviously, some Michigan, some big happenings. Aiden Hutchinson going number two overall to the Detroit Lions. I'm excited about that, man. I think Aiden was a very, very safe pick. I still think he has a lot of upside. I still think he can be really, really good. I saw somebody, I think it was Anthony Broom, put out a like a graphic. Because some, somebody said, oh, the Lions, man, they, they, they boned it up. They took Aiden Hutchinson. 
his ceiling is only is only Jared Allen. I mean, that's that's as good as he could be. Jared Allen led the NFL in sacks like three or four separate seasons. He had 22 sacks in a season, like 15, 16, or 17 a couple other times. Like, you know, if Aiden Hutchins can be that good, like everybody and their brother would take that. And I think he can be that good. I think he can be that effective. I think he's going to be a glue guy. I think he's going to be an, an amazing presence in the locker room because of his approach and his work ethic and everything. I just think it was an awesome pick. I know you're not, I, I you're not a lion's diehard, but wait a minute. No, 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 no. That has changed. Oh, that, well, that is officially changed. I, I am now on board. I am a Detroit lions fan. I made the announcement on, on the Facebook page on the winged helmet, but I'm all in on the lions now to me, you know, Aiden, I don't know how good he's going to be in his professional career, but you know, the way that the whole storybook season went in 2021 for him to get drafted and stay in Detroit and to go to that franchise and to be that type of guy, I think he's what that franchise needs in the locker room. You can never have enough of those guys. There was zero risk. It was all upside. And I, I absolutely love the pick. And to be honest, I'm excited to go to Ford field and watch the lions play and watch Aiden Hutchinson out on the field. I am a lions fan now. And listen, somebody once accused me, they were like, well, uh, don't jump on now. And I was, you know, I'm saying after three and 13, what three 13 and one, I think was the record last year. I can jump on. Now is the time. It's not like they're coming off of resounding success, you know, over the last, what, two decades, three decades. It's been a while. This isn't like a bandwagon situation. Correct. They've drafted a player I can get behind. I've got some intrigue there. I've been looking for a reason to get into an NFL team. The Lions have now won my heart. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And number 97 is available on the Lions roster. So I'd be I'd be really surprised if Aiden wasn't in that 97 jersey. But I, I'm excited because I, it, I mean, I try not to really play this card too often, but it, it's 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 about as it's about as um. It's about as relevant as it's ever been for me because Aiden was a local product when I was covering recruiting. I got to know him extremely well. I got to know his dad. I got to know his mom. I got to know, you know, I I went down to San Antonio when he was down there for the Army All-American game. I stayed in touch with him while he's been at Michigan. And going to the Lions and him being such a good player and having such a great season this past year, it just – storybook is pretty good word for it, man. And I I feel like he's one of the kids that I connected with in a way that I I rarely do because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, they don't want to be my friend. I don't really want to be their friend either, but because he went to Dearborn divine, you know, divine child right down the road, got to know his dad, who was an all American at Michigan, his whole family's a Michigan. It just kind of, it just kind of happened that way. And so it's really cool that he's going to the lions, the team that I root for my NFL team. Unfortunately, yes, I have been a lions fan my whole life. Haven't been, uh, haven't won a playoff game since 1991. I was seven years old. The last time they had any playoff success. So good God, I hope he can be part of that change. As Barry Sanders said, when he was drafted, hopefully Aiden can help restore the roar, dude. There you go. Like if I went out and became a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, or if I were a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you know, like something like that, you just, you can't get on board with those teams that are being, you know, that, that have, it's always okay to get on board with the lions because by the way, how about the freaking ovation that Barry Sanders got announcing a draft pick for the dude, that guy might be the most beloved player in professional sports. He's such an enigma. I just feel like every time you see him, there's like this aura because it's like, it's almost like, 
you don't kind of wish it, but you wish Jordan's last shot would have been his last shot. Like when a player just leaves and they leave at the top, there's just, it leaves this sort of mystique about them. And I I think few people have that like Barry Sanders, man. He was just, I mean, you know, you're as big of a Barry Sanders fan as there is out there. He was incredible. I was a Barry, I was Barry Sanders for Halloween about four years in a row. Uh, (laughs) I have about a a million basketball or a million football cards of him. Well, you were more like Larry Sanders. I'm (laughs) (laughs) correct. 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 I've drawn, uh, I've drawn hundreds of pictures of him over my years. Um, I, I mean, dude, I, I was obsessed with Barry Sanders. I was going to say this, you know, the, they say that scent is the, is the, you know, the sense most tied to memory. You know, like when you smell something, it really can trigger a memory for you. When I watched Barry Sanders, when I watched Barry Sanders back in the day, it brought a feeling over me watching an athlete perform like that, that I have never felt watching another player, dude. He was that special of a dude, special of a player. That's where my Lions fandom really came from because they haven't ever really been that good. But Barry Sanders was so special and so much fun to watch that I'll never like another player like that again in my life. And uh, he's just, he's the man, dude. And that, See, that draft was out in Vegas. I don't know how many Lions fans were really there. I can't imagine that many. And when he came out onto the stage to announce that pick, it was standing ovation roaring i mean you could even see barry was kind of like you know thank you for that man what a warm welcome and it was he's nfl royalty he's the man there's no other way to put it so this turned into the barry sanders hour apparently but (laughs) aiden hutchinson going to the lions i love it i hope he's awesome there i hope he helps bring the lions back now the lions the defense still has some some a ways to go but the lions offense is coming around they're gonna be they got a chance to, to be decent next year i hope they are I hope Aiden Hutchinson is part of that on defense, and he was picked number two overall. Number 31 overall, another first-round draft pick. We weren't sure if he was going to go in the first round, but he goes in a really good spot to the Cincinnati Bengals, Daxton Hill, man, and now he becomes part of a really good team, a really good defense, and a really good secondary. I don't know know, if he's being billed as a day-one starter, but I'm sure he's going to push for that, and he can do so much on the field. We talked about it before, the ability to play nickel corner, I mean, you could put him out at your, as your boundary corner, and he wouldn't look out of place out there. Maybe he runs, uh, you know, runs safety back there as a little bit more of a ball hawk guy. I mean, he just he does it all, man. He really does it all. That's just a really cool spot for him to go to a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no question about. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was re- I was reading something else What's happening over there, dude. Are we good? Are we good? <laughs> I was I was reading something else about i was reading some news about josh ross and so i got <laughs> i got totally distracted and i was gonna try to bullshit my way through the response but i was so so lost there was no, there was no all way right to do it. there was no Dax- way to do it daxton hill's a good football player went to a hill team. yes he did go to i was surprised as well i was i was you know i think we were i tried to stay up as late as i could definitely didn't think dax hill was gonna go or daxton hill was gonna go first round i know that there were some rumblings about it but i didn't personally think he was going to get there. And I mean, I think it's awesome, man, when, when you can have two first rounders and that's something you can hang your hat on and you can sell that to recruits. And obviously, you know, Michigan's continue to do well in the NFL draft. And I even put up a story about that. I mean, you know, in terms of having a player selected in the draft, I mean, they're one of what three programs they've it's university of Florida and USC in terms of having a player selected in every single draft in the common era. So Michigan is one of those NFL factories. They continue to churn out talent and, It'll be interesting to see what happens with Daxton Hill in the NFL because I feel like people look at his Michigan career 
and feel like there was a lot left to be desired, like based on what his recruitment was like. And that's not necessarily his fault. I don't think Daxton Hill was the type of guy who was hyping himself, but there was a lot of hype surrounding his recruitment. And I think people just expected more, um, at least people who don't watch the game as, as closely maybe as some of the, uh, the people like you and I might. Well, you mentioned two first-round picks. Should have been three. David Ojabo obviously ruptured his Achilles during his pro day at Michigan. Sucks bad. Yeah. But honestly, like, well, well, don't get me wrong. Going top 10 or 15 is a much bigger deal than where he got drafted. But he still went pretty high, man. He went number 45 overall in the second round. And he went to an awesome spot. He goes to the Ravens. So he goes to a franchise with an incredible defensive background. They weren't very good on defense last year. But he's one of the reasons why you know, or he's, that's one of the reasons why they drafted a guy like him. They also drafted Kyle Hamilton. So immediately get some talent injected in that defense, but he goes to a team with, with a great defensive background. He teams up with another Harbaugh. Now he's with John Harbaugh. Mike McDonald is back there as the defensive coordinator. And Oh, by the way, he's, he's now the opposite edge with his freak show friend, Odafi Owe. I know is Jason Owe, Owe when he was in high school, but he's gone back to his traditional, I think Nigerian name, if I'm not mistaken there. And that dude's a, a he. I think he set the all-time record for defensive end forty. He ran like a four-three-nine. I mean, that's ridiculous. As freaky as David Ojabo is, Adafi Owe is even freakier. But it's just, I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could find a better spot for a guy like that than the Ravens. No, I, Ojabo feels like a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, dude, and and, and as soon as as soon as I saw well, that come in. What's that? What were you going to say? He's not going to be able to wear 50. Well, he's not going to get that. But I mean, the the name on the jersey, like the vibe, the way he plays, everything about David Ojabo screams Baltimore Raven. Obviously, you would have loved to have seen you know, him go in the first round, and it sucks that things played out the way that they did. But you're right, all the things that you named off, I mean, being able to play for Mike McDonald again and John Harbaugh and being able to play with a high school teammate, I just think he's going to fit in really well. Mike McDonald's obviously going to know how to utilize his talents. He's going to know what he has in Ojabo. And I think, you know, obviously they're planning on a full, a full recovery from that guy. So I'm, I'm just excited to see him out in Baltimore, man. The whole, you know, between Aiden Hutchinson going to Detroit and Ojabo going to Baltimore, those two landing spots to me could not have been more perfect marriages for either player. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool how, how that worked out. And I don't know about perfect fit in terms of all the outside storylines and this and that for Daxton Hill, but to go to a contender, I mean, that's, you know, whenever, whenever a team, whenever a big time player goes to Joe cool, get to play with Joe cool. Yeah. Whenever a big time player goes to, you know, gets drafted in the bottom of the first round, it's like, damn, what a, what an opportunity, man. Because, you know, those are the good teams. The bo bottom 10 picks in the NFL draft are your top 10 teams from the previous year. And, you know, the, the the Bengals were just in the freaking Super Bowl, and now he gets to go there and might be able to play right away. So that's a, that's obviously a pretty a pretty awesome um, pretty awesome spot for him. I'm trying to figure out. Um, okay, so the Ravens don't officially retire jersey numbers, but Terrell Suggs wore 55 for the Ravens for like 15 years. I don't know if I don't know if Ojabo is going to be able to roll in there and say, hey, I'm the rookie, I'm wearing double nickel. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, so we'll see. But uh, I always like the you know, the, uh, the the prospect of jersey numbers for these rookies when they're coming into the league. But anyway, that's a big number uh, in Ravens territory. The fourth maybe Wolverine maybe he off goes single digit. Maybe he goes single digit and just goes five. Could be all right. Fans. Well, that was Hollywood Brown, and he got traded to the to the Cardinals, so that number is also available. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he looks like. Wasn't he seventy one as a true freshman? He talked about he was he talked yeah. about. 
He's like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. He just gave me some trash number. Remember that? And then his coach <laughs> like, hey, wait a minute. That was my number when I played in high school. <laughs> like, way back when, way back when David Ojabo was yeah. a guest of the podcast, he talked about that. So, no, still really cool to see him get picked. And obviously being picked 45th isn't top 10 or top 15 money. But that's still life-changing NFL money, dude. And I, you know, can't be happier for a dude like David Ojabo given his background as well. The fourth Wolverine off the board was Hassan Haskins in the fourth round, number 131 overall to the Tennessee Titans. So another good team. Um, not gonna be a lot of opportunities for Haskins there with King Henry, uh, you know, carrying the ball like 30 times a game. But you know, Henry, he he's he carries a heavy load. He gets dinged up here and there. He has to, you know, he has to come out and take a breather here and here and there. I don't know what Haskins prospect would look like as a rookie running back on that team, but it's a good team. They like to run the ball. Whatever you do with Derrick Henry, you can pretty much, I mean, I'm not saying Hassan Haskins is Derrick Henry. He's not, but whatever you do with him, you can also do with Hassan Haskins. He's not like a complete change of pace back or a scat back where you wonder what the fit's going to be like. You can see what the fit's going to like when you watch Derrick Henry run the ball. So another pretty good spot for him to at least learn the position from one of the best in the league. I don't know how much we'll see Hassan Haskins as a rookie because Derrick Henry rarely comes off the field, but I don't know. It's a pretty good spot for him to learn the game and, and find out how to do it at the highest level. Yeah, and and if you haven't, check out the story that we put up today about Taylor Lewan's reaction to Hassan Haskins <laughs> being solid. drafted because it's it's hilarious. Head coach Mike Vrabel obviously is is uh, a former Buckeye himself, uh, and Taylor Lewan was very grateful that you know the 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 Tennessee Titans still brought in Hassan Haskins considering what happened in November. Hilarious video, but yeah, you're right. I think that real quick, that's such a funny dynamic and it's hilarious because. It's it's a grown man and a grown man. One's the head coach. One's one of the better players on the team. And Luan just goes in. I mean, he just goes in. And it's just like, I don't know. You can't do that in college. You're not going to see anything like that in college. But in the pros, it's just funny to see. I mean, you've got a, you yeah. know, a couple of dudes, and, you know, grown men, you know, family men in there. You know, Taylor Luan's what, like probably in his early 30s at this point, yeah, right? I'd say so, yeah. Mike Vrabel, not a very old guy. So they're not that much difference in age, but it's just, I don't know, really cool. Yeah, go check that out if yeah. you haven't. All right, sorry yeah, to interrupt. I, no, no, no. I, I just, I think, you know, you're right. I think it's going to be hard for him behind Derrick Henry to get reps, but you're right. Yeah. If, if you know, could be very easily if there's an injury there or he's out for an extended period of time, Son Haskins could find himself once again, like he did for Michigan, carrying the load against, you know, teams that are going to want to be physical with him. And he seems built for that. I know Tennessee likes to run the ball and Hassan Haskins obviously likes to run the ball. So it seems like a good marriage and hopefully Hassan Haskins gets some opportunities. I see Ron Thomas asking for over under on 10 rushes for Hassan Haskins this year. I would, I would say over confidently for that. sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would say over that. I mean, you know, he's not going to be in every down. I'd have to look, I'd have to go back and, uh, and look at, um, Look at Tennessee's roster now. I mean, they I can't remember the dude's name. They had that backup running back who actually came in and did pretty well while Henry was out last year, but I don't know his contract situation or if he's still on the team or what. But, um, yeah, I think he'll carry it more times than that. I mean, that's 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 barely even seeing the field right there. But, you know, when until Derrick Henry is – past his prime or not with the team anymore. That's, that's his, that's his team. He's going to get the, you know, the lion's share of the, of the carries. And you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, that's, that dude's an animal, man. He's one of the best running backs in the league, a couple rushing titles under his belt. So, you know, not to be, not to be surprised that he's not going to come off the field very much. And the last pick 
the last pick of uh, from the Michigan football roster, Andrew Stuber. It's funny. I was thinking about tweeting this earlier in the day. I was like, it just doesn't feel right that an NFL draft is going to go by and the Patriots don't pick a Michigan player. It's, it's, it's Michigan, Baltimore, New England, like triangle, yeah. you know, yeah. like if you, if you've got dreams of playing in the NFL, like <laughs> to me, it's like, why not go to Michigan? Because you know that Baltimore or New England, if, if you can ball out and make a name for yourself, those are going to be two for sure destinations for you. Well, Baltimore is a real obvious why. I mean, Jim, Jim right. and John Harbaugh talk back and forth. You know, Correct. Very true, very real. Who else in the country has yeah. that? Yeah, Nobody. you're not going to get that. Uh, and the Patriots just seem to like the way that Michigan guys play. There's a couple of them. There, there have been um, a couple of them on the roster. Chase Winovich is no longer there. He's with Cleveland Browns. But Mike Wenu showed Uche. up a lot of people last year. Yeah, Josh Uche. There's, so there's been... Uh, there was a guy named Tom Brady who was decent. I mean, so maybe maybe that's why. I don't know. No, that's probably not why. But anyway, Stuber goes to the Pats in the seventh round, number 245 overall. I don't know this for sure, but Andrew Stuber's from Connecticut. You'd have to think the dude's a Pats fan, right? Growing up in Connecticut when the Patriots yeah. were in their prime and Tom Brady. I mean, I, I would assume. I'm making an assumption there, but I'm sure he I'm sure he, he likes now growing up and now he's on the team. You know, you'll wonder, you wonder seventh round picks. Uh, they don't have the, they don't have the highest hit rate, but Stuber seems like a pretty high floor kind of guy. I mean, he's six, seven, he's three forty. He's got position versatility. You can put him at a couple different spots. I don't know, man. I mean, if he's you the kind of guy that you would, you would think would do really well at a place like new England. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Just kind of cut out for it. He's going to come in. He's a no nonsense guy. He's not flashy. Doesn't need any red carpet. Just you know, come in, go to work, and play play your uh, play your play your part. If you looked at every guy drafted in the seventh round, and I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of all those guys picked, he'd be one that I would say, I think he might make it. I think he might stick. I think he might find a spot, and we'll see what ends up happening with Andrew Stuber with the Patriots because I think that's that's a pretty cool thing for him. Like I said, I don't know for sure. I might be able to reach out and ask him if he grew up a, Patri a Patriots fan. I wouldn't be surprised if he did being a Connecticut kid. I went up, I remember going up to Darien, Connecticut, Darien high schools where he played. And I sat down and did an interview with him and his coach in like a science lab as his head, the football <laughs> coach was also a science teacher. And I remember connecting with him cause I was that same way. I was a science teacher and a coach. And, but then I wanted to do an interview with Stuber and the coach wouldn't leave. He just sat right. He just sat right there next to him. So I was at, I don't know, whatever. I always thought that was, <laughs> coaches usually don't do that. I was like, I remember thinking, like, uh, are you going to leave, dude? Like, I'm about to do this interview. He just sat right next to him. So I was like, all right. Got here. We'll do it with him. Uh, we'll do it with him right in the room. And now we'll do one, it live. One of the last things I want to talk about before we sign off, we're coming up on 45 minutes here. Chris Hinton uh, decides to leave school early. You know, okay, so Josh Ross wasn't drafted. Vincent Gray wasn't drafted, but these are guys who have exhausted their, their eligibility at Michigan. It was time for them to move on. You go, you try to work out, you try to impress uh, and see what happens. And they weren't picked. Okay. They'll, they'll get an undrafted free agent op opportunity somewhere. Maybe they'll have a cup of coffee in the NFL. Maybe they won't, whatever. That's, that's the way it goes. Chris Hinton though, decides to leave early as a true junior to go pro and is not drafted. And you you find yourself asking like, why the hell did he do that? What 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 advice was he getting in from who, from whom is it whom? I never know which one to use. Who why is? did he leave? Why why did he go 
right now. And and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really realize this until I started putting up a story, a draft story that now I'm not going to have to use for him. He had four tackles for loss during his entire Michigan career. It's a former five-star kid, athletic kid, 6'4", 315. Looks like he's got all the all the physical tools to be really effective, and he just wasn't really at Michigan. And so you're wondering, like, why the hell did he leave early and try? I mean, remember we talked about this with Donovan Peoples-Jones, too. He left early, never had a 100-yard game at Michigan, wasn't an absolute star like a lot of people thought. And maybe that was because of how he was used at Michigan because he's been pretty darn good for the for the Browns. Yeah. But he left early to be a sixth-round pick. And now Chris Hinton left early, and he didn't get drafted at all. What the hell's going on, man? Why did he leave? What What is this all about? Well, it's weird because, you know, his dad played in the league. It's not like they're inexperienced really with. good in the league, yeah. Right, really good in the league. It's it. You would just, I don't know what kind of advice or what kind of feedback he was getting, but obviously I think it was enough to where he thought he was going to get drafted, right? You don't enter the draft if you think you're going to go undrafted. Oh. You, you probably come back for another year, so. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what happened there, but you're right. When you go into the numbers, it wasn't that, it wasn't that impressive of a career. I'm not saying he, you know, he doesn't have a high ceiling, but certainly just a lot didn't happen at the University of Michigan. And Michigan has a need on the defensive line. You would have loved to see him come back, team up with Mozzie Smith in 2022, and and try to really put a lot on film. A because Michigan needs it, not like he cares, uh, but B because I think he needed it. Evidently, obviously, he needed something more on film, and and NFL teams passed up the opportunity to draft him. So, but yeah, Michael, as as Brandon said, you know, Vincent Gray didn't have a choice. Josh Ross didn't have a choice. Chris Hitton could have come back and, and, you know, arguably should have come back to put more on, on film and just didn't. And, you know, you never know why these guys leave and what goes into it. And there might be something that's deeper there that, that we were not aware of. And, you know, there's no way to know that, but not it sucks. Any, not, and to, to your point, not any of my business, nor do I care to talk about people's, you know what they've got, but like financially, he didn't need it either. Like that's what, that's not my business to know what the Hintons are doing, but like, Dad played a long time in the NFL. He's been very successful after his NFL career. I talked to them quite a bit, actually, as well, down during that same uh, Army All-American game where Aiden Hutchinson was uh, – I'm sorry, not Aiden Hutchinson. Um, which one was that? Well, I remember well, talking to Chris Hinton and his family quite a bit. But anyways, point being, you know, some people, like, they, they can't wait to get out there and start getting paid. It wasn't like a need type of thing for him. And that. So you just wonder. You wonder what kind of feedback he got. He got. You wonder what kind of advice he was getting in from who and, and why he ultimately decided to leave when he could have come back. And this isn't us saying it. He should have come back. Uh, he didn't get well, drafted. I mean, hindsight. like, yeah. I mean, hindsight. Did, you, did you think he would go undrafted? I didn't. I, I thought he would get picked. I thought it would be late, but I thought he yeah. would get picked. I mean, dude, you, you don't find dudes 315, you know, running around like he's able to move around. I mean, I think, you know, now he's all right. We see some people coming in here with the undrafted free agents uh, news. Josh Ross to the Ravens. There you go. Shocker. Another Michigan guy going to the Ravens. And Chris is that Hinton final or is he just suggesting where they should go? Uh, I'm assuming that means that's these Let's these see. undrafted free agent signings happen like immediately when the draft is over. So I'm okay. guessing that this is really what's going on. And Chris Hinton to the New York Giants. And that would not surprise me at all. Yep, that's right. Yep. It, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Chris Hinton sticks because he's got some physical tools that are rare. But again, if you're going to go early and you go undrafted, then you shouldn't have went. I mean, it's just that simple. And so we'll see what happens with him. And I hope he does great. I mean, I hope his career turns out. 
you know, he's a story you hear about like undrafted, now one of the best D linemen in the league. I mean, those stories happen. I mean, the, the only the only scenario, and and I see people mentioning Vincent Gray and about coming back for a COVID year. The only scenario where I could see, you know, still going to the league when there's more you could put on film is if you just whether you've been told directly or you get the sense that your playing time, what you know, you got a guy, a kid like Will Johnson coming in to play corner. He's probably not going to spend a lot of time on the sideline. So for a guy like Vincent Gray, you know, is there a chance you even keep your starting job next year? Like, do things get much better for you? You know, and maybe that was what was going through Chris Hinton's head, but it's not like there was a lot of depth on the defensive line. So you you try to reason it, and it's just, you know, I think you thought he would get drafted. I thought he would get drafted. Clearly, he thought he would get drafted, and it's surprising he didn't. But we'll see what he does out in New York. I thought, um, yeah, and v- to your point, very different scenarios for Vincent Gray versus Chris Hinton. I mean, yeah. the, the, the amount of time that they've both been at the school, the situation in terms of recruits being brought in behind them at the same position. Michigan just brought in a loaded defensive back class, and Vincent yeah. Gray, I mean, he was he was all right. He was never awesome at Michigan. It's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that a guy like Will Johnson severely eats into his playing time or if they even look to go in a different direction from Vincent Gray with one of the other younger guys. I mean, a guy like Jaden McBurrows or, you know, some of these other, um, um, DJ Turner, you know, really came out. I mean, he was you still got Jamon green yeah. out there. Who's there's not, you know, yeah. I mean, they were, he was, he had been splitting reps. It wasn't like he was the every single down lockdown corner out there. And so, yeah, you just, you wonder what those conversations are like, but you know, I mean, like, Jim Harbaugh kind of comes off to me as like, he's not going to bullshit you. He's going to sit you down and say like, you know, I think your time's done here. I don't know if he says it like that, but I think those discussions do take place behind closed doors. And when you're a fifth year guy like Vincent Gray and you want to play in the league, you go. And so maybe he could have come back, but it might not have been up to him. And it very well could have been out of his hands. So, but with Hinton, there's no way Michigan said, yeah, leave, dude. It's time for you to go early. No, they don't have the depth, and he's a pretty good player. I mean, he was effective at Michigan. He wasn't super, super productive, but he's a good player. You can put him out there on every play at the D, on the D-line and feel good about what he's going to do. I mean, experience, his size and his experience at that position counts for a whole hell of a lot. So yeah. you would have loved to have had him back. Brad Hawkins, another one a couple people have brought up. You know, yeah. serviceable, very solid – you know, good player for Michigan, but you know, doesn't he, he lacks some of the some of the things you need in the NFL? We talked about that before. If you're gonna go pro, you probably need to be elite at one thing, and I don't know if Brad Hawkins is. Vincent Gray is not. Josh Roth is. See, not. maybe Hassan Haskins is the one exception to the rule because I don't think Hassan yeah. Haskins is elite at anything. Know, but he is thing. really, really, really good at a lot of things. There aren't a lot of guys who can truck you know, three defenders for 10 yards, but also hurdle guys in the open field. Like that's, that's a pretty unique skill set. I would make, I would make, and we'll we'll see how he ends up being utilized and what his NFL career looks like. I would make a slight argument that he could be in the elite category when it comes to being a special teams player. He did a ton of that at Michigan, played on all, all the special teams uh, units at, at Michigan. And oh, by the way, he never gets hurt. He's always ready to go. I mean, yeah. availability too. I mean, as much as he carried the ball to be available as much as he was, that's a that's a trait that you love in players, and that's on an elite level for him as well. But you're right. Physically, athletically, he's not going to be elite at anything. Uh, well, he did have the most bench press reps as a running back. I don't think you're going to look at that and be like, well, there's my guy. But right. Right. to your point, 
I don't know if you'd grab any one single trade about Hassan Haskins and say he's a lead at that, but like everything is really, 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 cool. really, really good. Yeah. You know, he's the fourth round pick. I mean, the, the evidence speaks for itself. So anyway, that's the NFL draft recap. Five Michigan players drafted two in the first round should have been three. David Ojabo slides just a bit off of the injury to the 45th pick in the second round Haskins to the fourth round and Andrew Stuber late, late in the seventh round to the Patriots. And I think he's got a chance to stick out there in Foxborough. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. Chris, anything else on your mind that we need to get off the chest here before we close it up until we come back on a Wednesday night, Saturday, you feeling good. I mean, things are happening for you over there. I mean, I don't know. Any, anything else, dude? Anything else? I don't know, man. I feel like I always have so much to say, and and now I just, I don't know. I feel like I've run out of gas. I mean, you know, it seems like there's always like a down period, and you're not really sure, you know, where <laughs> where the news, the next piece of news is going to come from, and then all of a sudden, you know, things happen with the basketball program, and you've got the draft to cover, and so it's always interesting times in Ann Arbor. There's always seems to be things that are happening or things to talk about. You know what we talked about this earlier. We're not we're not plugged in, obviously, in the in any other any other, yeah, asking about your countertops from the laptop. I got I got all the uh all the soot off of it. There was like burn marks and soot and shit, so I had to get all of that off. But uh you know, that's that's uh, thank you for asking, Adam. See? There's another Hassan Haskins is also elite with ball security. So let me like scary. those are yeah. those aren't your typical. I'm trait. not trying to knock. I'm just I no, just no, no, no. Saying, no, I like you would look good... at a guy, a guy like Reggie Bush and say, okay, there there's some elite athleticism elite. there. Right, there's something there, elite speed, whatever. I just think you know, Hassan Haskins is one of those where he is the exception to the rule, where he's just so good at a lot. Put it, Durability put it, counts. Ball security. If you counts. made if you made a if you made a list of all the things you want your running back to be. Being good at special teams, being good at holding on to the ball, and being available aren't necessarily at the top of the list. Yeah. So if he is if he is a lead at those things, those are some of the some of the traits that get pushed down the list a little bit. But anyway, at any rate, at any rate, there's a reason why he went in the fourth round. And it's because of, it's because he is really, really good at a lot of things. So, anyways, there you have it. We'll be back on Wednesday, I think. I mean, it's, it's you know, we'll see if it's necessary. I mean, if some more developments happen with basketball and some more stuff goes on, then obviously we'll be back. But doing this almost hour-long show that we said was going to be a short one on a Saturday, um, we'll see if we need to come back on Wednesday. But thanks for listening, everybody. If we are back, it'll be on Wednesday. Uh, if we are back on Wednesday, we'll see you then. If not, we might be back in a little over a week. So we'll see. Maybe me and Chris get a little mini vacation right here. So thanks I need for to get, uh, hopefully next time I come back, I'm tan because my complexion, I need to do something with the camera, something with the lighting. You look it's like you color. just got back from Puerto Rico and I look like a corpse over here. I look like they just pulled me out of the refrigerator. Well, <laughs> I hope you're feeling all right, dude. <laughs> you look sick, you pasty bastard. <laughs>